podcast ain't played nobody, your college football marriage of numbers and words. Uh, Godfrey, we are in the depths of the valley. There is nothing going on. I have been actually catching up on or getting ahead on projects. I assume that things are just as uneventful for you. Oh, yeah, no, this is highly productive. It's highly productive. I'm in a waking hallucination right now thanks to sleep deprivation and... uh, um, yeah, so I had a baby. Uh, I didn't have the baby. My wife. I was about did. to say, let's let's yeah. let's clarify. Uh, so I was out last week. I didn't hear the show with you and Richard. Um, I'm here this week, um, and as as the family help and logistics of like having the kid taper off, and we get into the like, okay, my wife is going to be in the bed for a little bit, and I, we also have a toddler who's like a functional terrorist. I will be out a couple weeks. Um, on paternity leave, just, I, I mean, I've been dad lifing really hard. I don't, it's hard for me to be comedic about it or quick, or quick witted, but, um, it's just been a slog of like revolving your life primarily around like drop off and pick up of the toddler. And, uh, I'm better at, I'm better at cooking eggs than I thought I was. I've gotten really good at cooking eggs, but I only have one kid, so. I'm better at... I'm not too shabby at folding clothes. It's not that I don't normally do these things. It's that it's if any of you have supported, you know, the the wife who's like kind of laid up after childbirth, you are functionally doing everything, which wasn't a big deal last time because we didn't have a two year old. Um, so he's uh, he's simultaneously awesome and awful, um, as as are most two year olds and human beings, I guess, in, in general. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm trying, I'm manufacturing energy right now. We're going to, we're going to do an hour only because it was weird that I was gone last week and then I didn't want to be gone for the rest of the run without just sort of sitting here and meandering with you. The other problem is Bill, I have, I was a little scared about coming on the podcast, not because of like timing or any of that kind of stuff, like with the, with the baby, but I didn't, I have nothing to add or had nothing to add at all. Yeah, you are at the north end of the American still on on your preview journey, right? Well, I'm done with the as of tomorrow when the power rankings go up, I'll be done with the American. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I turned in the Laramie Tunsil story that ran. I don't know, like last week or something. Yes. Yes. We've kind I'm of, here to fill in all the gaps in your space time continuum. Well, and so then I have these like kind of caffeine and delirium bouts of social media where like I have a second or I have you know like daycare traffic's a big one for me or whatever and I just sort of like binge as fast as I can in like a 35 minute span and I know that that's how most people normally absorb information whereas like you and I you know if I'm not on the road and I'm working we have that just constant drip all day long of like social media feeds and you're on one side or the other and you're just you're constantly absorbing it or in my case I'm talking to like journalism source people and stuff um to not have any of that it was like super weird because i would jump in not only for the worker stuff but like all of the interests that i have in life like you know news or or you know some sort of hobby or whatever you know podcast and I'm like I've, i have no idea what's going on in anywhere in the world um <laughs> now i have like two things that i wish i could actually write about this week i couldn't put a sentence together right now if you put a gun to my head but we have this Oklahoma business, which was really not a big deal. I would bust into our work chat, our Slack room, 
mainly out of like a bizarre loneliness, even though I'm surrounded by small human beings who are constantly communicating to me, I would just come into our work slack and, and say things to adult people who don't spit up on themselves, at least as frequently. Um, and this, so I guess we could start with the Oklahoma thing. Sure. So right, we got to have a caveat here right up front. Yes. <laughs> when are we just going to be mean to, ra- let's just be mean to radio people. I have friends who work in radio and they know, they know who's accepted and who's not. Um, right. Whenever we say this every year, I think it's in our warning signs. Every time we do, we get into silly season is, you know, if you just see some random radio guy who doesn't look like he is even ostensibly tied to like the, the coverage or the beat of either college football or a particular team or, you know, program, whatever. Uh, chances are they're just when they say something that's outlandish, like breaking news, Nick Saban to leave Alabama, blah blah blah. It's probably fake. So help me here. I don't even. I'm not gonna like credit the account. That that would be counterproductive for what we try and promote for you guys. But um, some random guy had said Oklahoma was gonna come to the SEC, right? Yeah, basically that there was, uh, you know, there was smoke or something to that effect that there are rumors are floating. It was like a passive voice kind of thing um, that the SEC and uh, that OU and the SEC have been uh, seeing each other in a different light uh, of late. Whatever. Yeah, they they caught their caught each other's eye across the room, whatever. We, We laughed about it. You know, we we laughed at the validity of it. And how long is this going to live in the cycle? Because now. The only thing that struck me, and I don't know this person from Adam, obviously, it's not like I can I can faithfully tell you guys listening that if I don't know a person and they break news about college football, it's I'm going to be suspicious, right? <laughs> um, then we laughed about it. We put it away. We kind of kicked around concepts and functions. And then I think Feinbaum did like a bit on it, not on that tweet, but also on the fact that according to his uh, impeccable sources – uh, they are, what did he say? Sorry, they're they're, they're unhappy. I, I live Which, in isn't a that the, isn't bomb. the biggest non scoop in the world, right? I live in a fine bomb free universe, so I have no idea what he said. Um, okay. uh, here's the here's the original tweet from. Okay, well, I won't say from. Uh, there are rumors circulating that the University of Oklahoma and the SEC have mutual interest in each other. Okay. Um, so okay, well, th- without knowing a single thing that Feinbaum said, I will say this: OU is unhappy. Yes, they are very unhappy. Yes, there are uh, every single time. And you can kind of tell this is almost one of those things that bleeds over into the fan base where um, if you were watching watching the Mizzou fan base in about 2010, uh, when when somebody new would reveal TV revenue numbers and and every single time, you know, in the Big 12, that was back when, you know, Texas is making – $11 $11 million a year in TV revenue and Iowa State is making $2 million a year or whatever it was. It was that stupid imbalance thing uh, that really makes you feel like a United Conference. Um, it just took like a little piece of information for an avalanche of, and this is just right, we got to get out of here. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and OU fans are definitely to that stage. And OU, to the extent that I have any real OU sources, they, are, they have long been to that stage. They are tired of the Big 12 being terrible. Um, and so anytime you have any sort of information, like in this case, uh, the big 12 having fewer draft picks than the AAC, um, I, well, I'll come back to my opinions on the whole draft picks as a measure of quality thing in a second, 
But that's all it takes now for for this to get started. For some, I, I'm assuming the original radio dudes uh, sourcing was actually not terrible. Um, well, that's and that's where I wanted to jump in. Uh, there, there's a weird uh, news that makes sense, or rumors that make sense, or scoops, or what anything that you're simultaneously critical of, but also, you know, the content seems logical. That's like this new gray area where I think a lot of rumors form because we have so many platforms in which that they can they can spring up by people who aren't necessarily, you know, like real reporters. Um, it makes sense to tweet this out. It makes sense. Like you can. What I'm saying is, it's easier to pass off a half truth than a lie, right? Um, so let's let's kind of pick this apart real fast because here's why I do want to talk about it. Normally, when when I hear dumb rumors, or I just I, I laugh them off. It, it, I don't even take the time to debunk the crap, or I would spend all day on the internet. That's not my job either. Here's why I do want to bring it up, not because of Atlanta, uh, whatever the account was, or or uh, Fine Bomb. When it comes and when it happens, um, Oklahoma is going to be the Nebraska of this next cycle, and that is true and correct for everything that Bill just said. Um, again, the reason why is sort of the exact same reason why it started uh, on the last cycle, which was Nebraska had always had animosity towards Texas on an academic level, an institutional level, on a, on a you know athletic level. Um, this is not a secret. This was widely known. Tom Osborne loathed Texas. Um, the president of the university at the time in Nebraska loathed Texas for the undue amount of influence that they had. You know, Nebraska approached the Big 12's uh, uh, formation with a Big 8 mindset, sort of being the big guy in the room, and they they just didn't jive with Texas. They never did. Um, They were not really even subtle about getting out, and when they joined the Big 10 in the wake of or during the whole Longhorn Network thing, um, that was the shot that set it all off. Like, that's how you end up with Missouri and A&M in the Southeastern Conference. That's how you end up with Utah and... Uh, Colorado in the Pac-12. That's how the ACC expands by pilfering, uh, well, a variety of things. All like you know, that's that's why there is no more Big East football. All of all of those things start when Nebraska throws down. Now, I, I will. I have a slightly different timeline here. Now, it doesn't matter to your point, but I will say that the what what started all this was. Barry Alvarez saying the Big Ten was going to expand. That happened. I mean, that was like seven months before. Like, and, and that all, the ball was already rolling at that point. With well, I think, but I think rumors and and all of that already happened. Had already started going down that road before Nebraska said, "You know what? We're done." And and <clears throat> took Missouri's spot in the Big Ten. So well, the surface level perception is is in that order. What what I think people would tell you in the Big Twelve is that Nebraska had been. Nebraska had was maybe the genesis for the reason for the Big Ten to come out publicly and say, "Hey, we're we're getting in this business now." I, I, I disagree with that, but I don't have any proof that I can actually share. So anyway, Nebraska wanted out for a long time, and they wanted out in a time in which the Big Twelve was actually like as successful and stable as it ever would be. Um, I don't. I mean, if we had to define that period, it's definitely a while ago now. But it was when Texas and Oklahoma were national title contenders at the same time, and Nebraska was still good and. Um, they had made overtures for a very long time on the on the academic side to the Big Ten specifically. If we if you go back, they were credited as the um, I'm going to butcher this because I'm just a stupid sports writer, but it's the uh, Bill. What's the accreditation? American A A. It's it's a similar to something else like AAU, I think. Yep. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, like Association of 
right. whatever, at, they, at some of the universities. They helped promote a, um, a culture of expansion with the Big Ten, especially at a time in which they the Big Ten, I think, was the first. I mean, the, the SEC may have mastered it. I don't know. Maybe not when you, when you think about Rutgers and Maryland and their addition solely because of the network structure. But the Big Ten was the one who kind of coined this, you know, the, the idea of your strength is not necessarily in quality of a particular sport, but in the coverage area in which that you can you can claim. And so Nebraska sets this thing off. Anyways, long story short, how does this relate to Oklahoma? Oklahoma is essentially in the exact same spot again. Uh, because of what happened last fall, this sort of not, a, not even a whimper but a fart that, that ends the Big 12 expansion rumors where they shut down what we think was either some conglomeration of like BYU, definitely Cincinnati, Houston, and then possibly BYU in the directional Floridas. Um, because that did not happen for reasons that I will super duper going to have a great time getting into in a big feature this summer um, that I've been working on for, gosh, Bill, what, a year now? Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, Let's just say that for now, okay? Because it doesn't matter for the story. Um, the Big 12 has a big, fat expiration date on it, right? And that's basically as soon as the grant of rights expires and the television deal expires. So is Oklahoma going to the SEC this fall, Bill? No, they're not, right? They're definitely not. That's not how these things work. But we are wanting to – I think we, as the greater college football culture, as much as we moan and gnash our teeth about realignment, it filled the gaps so well – for so many off seasons that I think it created a vacuum. Is that fair to say? Awful to say? I know you're not a huge fan of these conversations. Uh, it was, there was definitely a vacuum. Yes. Yes. Okay. So people want to start talking about Oklahoma. I get that. Uh, Oklahoma, I'm telling you, will be if not the first, the the major catalyst that creates what we assume to be the death of the Big Twelve, and then some sort of some sort of reorganization into four megas or supers or however you want to call it. Now. Okay, all that being said, everything that I'm telling you and everything that everyone else is insinuating with these super cool news rumors is based on old logic, which is television ratings, television markets, and subscription rates to cable. Bill, what happened while I was out? Uh, It rained a lot. ESPN decimated its staff. Okay. (laughs) The single largest sports information company in the United States. Where you whether you consider them entertainment, broadcast, live, just a live event platform, news, whatever, they they just gutted their personnel. They're they're front of the house, you would say in a restaurant. Okay, people that you know, people that average sports fans know, lost their jobs. They lost their jobs because of cord cutting. Cord cutting has created an atmosphere where now, in hindsight, the deals that ESPN and CBS and Fox and NBC and all these 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 crazy outsized deals that were struck for college sports and pro sports, they seem kind of foolish now. All this being said, so Bill, I'm running the, uh, oh, let's say Big Ten, okay? I'm running sure. the Big Ten. Uh, you have just renegotiated a slightly smaller package in terms of volume with ESPN. You have your deal with Fox, and you have the Big Ten Network, all right? All these things are pretty much locked up. You have 14 teams, Bill. Are you perfect? No. No. Um, do you have things that you need to improve in terms of recruiting and exposure and, like, the best football brand that you can have? No, but you're definitely getting there, 100%, right? I think you and I can agree that, like, you know, Ohio State, uh, M- Michigan returning to, like, a attempting to be an Ohio State level of, like, national title contender, Penn State getting off of sanctions, right? You have Michigan State. You have programs out that things look good, all right? It's 20... 
2017 now. So let's say we start having these conversations in 2023 seasons from now. All right, you with me? Because I'm, 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 I'm. If at any point in this that you feel like the litmus is off, let me know. Why, Bill, are you going in and trying to find two or three or four more schools in the in the wake of the Big Twelve implosion that that we think will happen? Now, in order for the Big Twelve to implode, they do have to have someone come in and pilfer teams. My question is, what does that serve the Big Ten? Because you will probably not get more money out of television. That golden goose seems to have already been slaughtered. I'm really well, yeah, and I think you're, the the revenue there is going to come down. But I'm I'm still curious how much. I'm curious, like you know, obviously ESPN isn't going to be able to continue to pay these rising rights fees and whatnot. But I'm really curious about Fox and CBS and yada 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 what they talk themselves into doing. Uh, not what they can do or what they can realistically pull off, but what they talk themselves into doing uh, in terms of these rights. But, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, they, they are almost certainly going to come down, um, which, I mean, among other things, I can't wait to hear the the war on football folks here in about three years talking about, you know, uh, circling back around to the whole pay the players. There's so much money in college football thing uh, and pointing out that there's not anymore, but um no it, it is a, a an interesting spot and i i mean it, it, the big Ten would be served very well by adding oklahoma or texas but uh outside of that yeah you're not going to necessarily just add to add okay so maybe we're totally wrong it's my the, point not the first time Maybe all of us in the college football spectrum, media, athletic directors, network executives, maybe we're all wrong because maybe the paradigm and the model are just not there anymore. And if that's so, Bill, by the way, I just want to throw this in as a footnote, which feels like way more on-brand PAPN. If this is true, and it is not in the interest of the Big Ten to take, let's just, I don't know, randomly say, like Oklahoma for football and Kansas for basketball, right? each in their respective sports considered to be like, you know, elite legendary programs, right? If that doesn't happen, but Maryland got in the Big Ten. Yeah. Wow. By the way, you want to talk about a blessed life. Um, so I, this in this morning's Temple preview, I was, I was reading through basically – I was pulling up a bunch of pieces back from when Temple got kicked out of the Big East the first time. Yeah. Um, well, I guess they only got kicked out once. They joined twice, but got kicked out once. Um, and a guy I pointed out made a very good point here. It's just some angry Philly columnist. Larry Atkins is his name. Uh, but at the end, he points out um, the conference choose, uh, chose to boot Temple despite the existence of pitiful and pathetic Rutgers, which has been an even bigger football doormat than Temple has. <laughs> Um, you want to talk about living a blessed life. Mm, uh, my God. Rutgers didn't get kicked out of the Big East and then got just good enough to at football at just the exact right time uh, to get into the Big Ten uh, to justify the quote-unquote New York market thing and then immediately fell apart uh, again. And, uh, they, they could come back. They, they, you know, It's early. Chris Ash could figure things out. Sometimes you just have a terrible first year. Fine. But the, the aesthetics of it are very funny at the moment uh, when you want to talk about Rutgers almost becoming Temple and then instead joining the Big Ten. <sighs> Bill, I don't know what we should even be cheering for. I don't think anybody wants to see oh, oh, By the way, we've said this many times. If, the, if we are correct and Oklahoma becomes sort of the, the pin that pulls it all apart, 
all of those teams, the, the 10 Big 12 teams, are not all surviving in the Power 5 or the Power 4. It's not possible. It five. won't happen. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm now including the AAC, so five. Um, oh, look at you, buddy. I tell you, did you... Uh, you yeah, have a gift basket from Mike Oresco tomorrow. That's right. Uh, well, no, I, I'm mad at Mike Oresco because their whole P6 thing is screwing up my G5 Champions League. They need to They need to conform. They need to accept their fate and join the G5 uh, Champions League. Um, no, I mean, if it's, if it's not Oklahoma, it's Texas. Those are really the only two that can screw all this up. And what we know about Oklahoma, to circle back to the start of this topic – we know that yeah, while David Boren is the the most kind of, most kind of wishy-washy, self-serving, uh, wants to feel important per, uh, on camera kind of person, there are a uh, hundred more David Borens behind the scenes who don't care about being on camera, but want to feel just as important and will talk to people about it. Uh, so the that when I when I say that the random radio guy had a a scoop. I, I I I I believe it because it's one of these Oklahoma guys who wants to feel important and, and wants to to point out how important OU is. And so um, I really, don't expect I mean, they, anything they to come of it. They they are. I, I I'm not trying to besmirch the suitors in this, and I'm trying to just besmirch the 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 boosters who want to feel really important by doing this. But yes, uh, I mean they they're going to get to have their moment, and and also if you. If so, if the if the earlier logic that we talked about that we just poked holes in, let's just say it holds for whatever reason. Somehow, somehow the rights world kind of stables off, and may, who knows? Maybe ESPN figures out how to generate substantial revenue from set top. So, in other words, like maybe a watch ESPN app is finally created without a cable uh, uh, cable mandated subscription to it. So you can do the HBO Now model, the Netflix model. And they sell it for I don't know fifteen bucks a month or whatever, and suddenly boom, ESPN's back in business. Right. So let's just say all that happens, Bill, and they they're back in the they're back encouraging this growth market in college football. If you're Oklahoma, this is your moment to dunk on Texas. <laughs> Roughly a decade plus, you know, a, a little over a decade after the hysteria of the Longhorn Network, I would be shocked if Oklahoma didn't take the chance to do a little bit of dunking. If not a substantial amount, I'll say that. Bill. Yes. Tell me about Memphis winning the American Athletic Conference. <laughs> um. Okay. Man, I'm struggling to keep up with these uh, direction changes today. All right. So, when, you know, if you if functional you, schizophrenia would be the best way for me to describe my state right now. I assume it's pretty good. Complete sentences I, I, are coming out. I'm shocked. Every yeah, like you should be shocked. I, I I assume it's good radio. Um, all right, so yeah, I'm, I finished my last AAC preview this morning. Uh, Temple, uh, they were last because they were the highest ranked uh, team in S and P last year. Um, just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, so I think I've come up with the order for tomorrow, and and you know, spoilers, massive spoilers, breaking news. Uh, you you need to click on this uh, piece tomorrow anyway, just so I'm not you know giving away everything because I know you're dying to know right now what are my AAC power rankings. Right now in the top tier, I have one Memphis, two at USF, three Houston. Uh, I think Memphis. Well, living right there. 
I think, I mean, Houston has the best defensive player in the conference, maybe the country at this point. USF has the best offensive player in the conference in Quentin Flowers. And I think Memphis just has the most upside, the most athleticism, the most, uh, when they looked good last year, they looked like the best team in the conference. And so I always, I mean, that's, that was kind of my rationale for picking Colorado state too. And you can get hypnotized by upside with If you haven't figured out why they had the downside, they did at times. But with yep. Memphis, I'm, I, I kind of trust them a little bit, and I think this is uh, their time, so to speak. And uh, to back that up, now this is—I don't include schedule uh, or record projections when I do the power rankings. It's—it's it's supposed to be just specifically who I think is the better team, but. If you're not sure about Memphis, if you're not sure they're ahead of Houston or whatever, look at their schedule. Uh, they've got the best schedule among the AAC West teams. They get, um, uh, they, well, they get at Navy at home. They get SMU at home. They avoid Temple. They they do get Houston and Tulsa on the road, but otherwise, you know, the only from an S and P projection standpoint, they're only projected sixty first because I mean, just generally speaking, S and P is going to downgrade just about everybody who doesn't have great recruiting rankings. Um, they're sixty first in S and P, but they have a less than fifty percent chance in one game. UCLA at home, they're at forty five percent. Otherwise, they're going to they're they're oh, oh, oh sorry not Houston forty one percent but that's still seven out of eight AAC games that they're favored in very good schedule um, very good East uh, cross division schedule with what UConn and well USF isn't a gimme by any means but East Carolina and UConn good shape a good shape for a run and they've got a lot of talent and so that's my that's that's my Memphis. Uh, that's my spiel right there. Riley Burgess, Dorcius, Anthony Miller, Bill Mayhew. They've got a ton of offensive talent. When they upset UCLA, um, that will put them on the path to 6-0 and before Navy-Houston. Yeah. Um, which, if they're 6-0, and let's just go ahead and say they split those two. 7-1, and 8-1 beating Tulane, and so they're 8-1. Right. So when they're at that 6-0, and 7-1 point, and they're starting to get, and which is also right about the time you start to peak with stuff like playoff rankings and all that coming out, they'll be the hotness, and you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, we, I think they've got really, a, This is the most bullish we've been on a G5 team for a particular season in a long time, so we're kind of really putting, our, putting it out there. I I, well, that. I mean, even more bullish would be to say that they're going to beat Houston because Houston's offense kind of stinks. But that's just me being mad at Houston fans for tutting the hell out of my preview yesterday. So um, oh ignore boy. me. Uh, well, they're <laughs> they're Houston fans. Uh, we, it was we at the very bottom of, your, bottom of the rankings, I assume, ECU? Uh, the bottom of the rankings. Now, see, okay, so uh, I think of, you know, when we talked two weeks ago, we had a general impression of each team. One thing that I wasn't quite catching on to until I actually dove into the preview all the way, ECU was crazy injured last year. Massively, okay. massively uh, injured last year. Had a ton of players out. Lost two of their receivers before the season even started. Cycled through a million defenders and offensive linemen and all that. Um, so with that and the so turnovers, think, Bill, doesn't that, in the ways in which you've taught me, that and the turnovers, you would assume both would regress Closer to the mean in 2017, which would be good for maybe an extra win or two. Right. Plus, then they add they just added Thomas Sirk, the Duke quarterback, who who was awesome. I really like Thomas Sirk at Duke. Now he has an Achilles injuries uh, injury last year, which scared the hell out of me because he he's mobile. That's part of his draws that he can run, and we have to see that he can run. Uh, and if he can't, then I mean Gardner Minshew, the the dude who took over for Philip Nelson at times last year, he's. Fine, but Thomas Thomas Sirk could be really good if he's uh, healthy. 
but yeah, they get two of their receivers back. They got uh, Darrell Scott, the Tennessee transfer is eligible now. Um, uh, Tim Irvin, an Auburn transfer is eligible now. So I think they've actually legitimately upgraded enough, okay. at least uh, enough, at least to bump them past Tulane and UConn in my mind. Um, the All bottom right. tier, the bottom tier of this conference is uh, there. I, I do like four tiers for each conference. When I do these power rankings, the bottom tier is four teams. It's nine since 10 ECU, 11 Tulane, 12 UConn. And I actually, I think what excites me about this conference this year, other than it's the AAC, it's our favorite, it's the greatest conference in the world, et cetera. Um, is that I, I can talk myself into any any of these 12 teams being pretty good this year. Like, I, it, you know, the UConn's changes that they're making, uh, you know, might not stick at all. It might be a disaster, but they could stick. The tempo could work for, for Edsel. The defense could be pretty good. Um, Tulane, everywhere our boy has been, he's experienced major growth in his second year, uh, our boy being Willie Fritz. And um, it's a second year, so Tulane, I, I'm not sure they've got the offensive talent, but they could. ECU really could surge now that they actually have the pieces. We the, and, and this is assuming that Phil Montgomery, or not Phil Montgomery, Scotty Montgomery can coach. We don't completely know that yet, but if he can, then they could yeah. surge. Cincinnati uh, has recruited pretty well and has a lot of pieces that underachieved last year that might suddenly not underachieve. Uh, and the, the new coaching staff there could click. So, you know, you can talk yourself into – they're at the bottom for a reason, but you can talk yourself into any, at least any one of those teams overachieving by a good amount. I, it's, <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or just make a joke about how in the bag we are for this conference. But, no, it's true. The worst team when – I, when I eyeballed it – like a month ago, without doing the kind of work that you do, I said the worst team in the conference, the team that if you had to pick someone to have a negative trajectory in the next three seasons, it would be ECU. And now you're talking me into like, well, you know, it's they're <laughs> more stable again, than it seems. We don't know that Scotty Montgomery can coach. I, I felt bad because I, when I when I previewed them, I called it uh, you know Brewsterfication level. Uh, you know, as a damn. As a jump off of the whole Glenn Mason territory idea, they they fired a guy who was only good because they wanted great, and then they got Tim Brewster. I mean, it's still possible that that's the case, but we he he didn't really have a chance last year. They were so banged up and so many things went wrong that he really didn't have a chance to prove himself as a coach. So now he gets a chance, and we'll see. Um, that's probably that's probably enough AAC. We did cover like an hour of it the other day, but I do think this is a really good no. time for Memphis. USF has a could be a very very high end team this year as well. And Houston, I Houston and Cincy both. I got I'm worried about the the coordinator hires there. That's my biggest concern right now. Um, Applewhite, really? yeah, I mean Applewhite. Um, uh, well, I, and I think I mentioned this you know when we were talking the other day. You know uh, what's his name, Brian Johnson. Um, I, he did a hell of a job, obviously coaching quarterbacks at Mississippi state and maybe that transfers, but, um, his one stop as an offensive coordinator was at Utah. He got, you know, demoted after one year. He was like 23 years old. He shouldn't have been made offensive coordinator, but he has something to prove to me. Um, and then the, uh, defensive coordinator's name, um, ah, dead. Uh, this is uh, again, great radio. Um, D'Onofrio, Mark D'Onofrio, uh, the guy who was with Al Golden at Miami. Uh, he was always fine at Temple in Miami. Never, He had like one good defense ever and a bunch of okay ones, which uh, was enough for Miami fans to uh, laugh and point and, and hate at him uh, constantly on Twitter after I posted that Houston preview. 
but um, it, it still it wasn't an, an inspired hire, let's say. So we we got to make sure that he knows what he's doing if they're going to have another good defense. Um, I agree. We, we kind of beat the we beat our 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 brand to death on this. <laughs> um, we'll move on. Uh, but I do want to ask you. Yes. Well, by the way, before I do that, what's your next conference? Uh, we do Indies. Uh, okay. So UMass is up tomorrow. Right. Uh, it'll be Indies and then Big 12, of course, okay. because so, you know, so Big this 12 is, and AAC are the same conference. This is what I was going to ask. Um, we're pretty much through the G5, right? Right. Is there a team out there that scares anyone in terms of a playoff run? Anything that's even remotely close. I'm, I am assuming strongly there is not. Uh, you know, because Memphis plays UCLA, that's a good, you know, because we almost have to require that you have oh, yeah. one game where you can prove yourself early on. I would say that Memphis has it. And, and then, like I said, they've got at least a better schedule uh, than other AAC West contenders. I think everybody's even enough in that conference that it'll be really hard. USF, uh, they get Illinois, but that doesn't really count. Yep. Um, and so that right there makes it t- tough. Um, does Colorado State play like Alabama or somebody this year? Is that I'm already blanking. Uh, I've already I've already disposed of that knowledge. Uh, yeah, yeah, they play Oregon State, Colorado, and Alabama. Yeah. So um, if if they want to go beat Oregon State, Colorado, and give Alabama a game, but the problem is you have to be probably thirteen and zero. Uh, yes. If and, Colorado and, State has has one loss and it's Alabama, they will be they will be. Uh, no higher than probably six. Oh yeah, at best. I mean, six. at best, there's no yeah. way they're making the playoffs. So you kind of have to. I mean, honestly, having Bay on your schedule is the is you you went too you went too far. <laughs> you kind of have to have like the old Boise schedule of a much better conference length than what they deal with now. But then also maybe maybe like because so Boise this year has Wazoo, and then right. they have like. Virginia, like that doesn't work. You used to have like a Wazoo and an Oregon State, and then also you would play, you know, Chick Fil A versus Virginia Tech or Georgia. Like you need both of those and undefeated, and that you need that you need that team you beat to be no worse than eight wins. The like the good noticeable team, the Georgia or the Virginia Tech, and then you also need that middling uh, P five to be like at least bowl eligible. And, and even then, I'm saying it's still not possible. So I think because of that alone, I don't see it happening this year. But if you look at the candidate lists, I think the bigger problem, Bill, is that it's not possible. Right. I will say USF, um, I keep forgetting this when I write about these teams and then somebody mentions it on Twitter or wh- wherever. Um, USF could start the year in the top 20. Now, I realize that's AP. That's not the co- the committee. Uh, but they could technically – get more hype than any other mid-major early in the year to where if they go out and they, you know, they crush San Jose State the week before the season starts and they crush Illinois, they get at least, you know, who else? They get Temple at home, they get Houston and Tulsa, and if US, if UCF's good and then they play a really good Memphis team, well, uh, like an 11-1 and Memphis team or something, and so they Maybe. go 13-0 like that, and then a lot of other chaos happens at the Power 5 level. Maybe. Hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I think unless Colorado State wants to beat Alabama, I would say USF and Memphis are almost the only candidates to start yeah. the year. Um, My issue is not with, with USF here, what they do or what they can do. It's just that so let's say, Bill, they start at 21. 
All right. Okay. Um, that sounds fair. I, I'm not going to rattle off the 20 teams I think would be 1 through 20, but I don't know if you can find, as the season goes on, just real fast, let's go to the 7-0 and point. So USF 7-0 and is San Jose, Stony Brook, UConn, Illinois, Temple, ECU, UMass. Damn. Like, that's not going to work, okay? Yeah, that's even if they're if they're falling, yeah. Yeah, you're 7-0, and right? And you assume if you start at 20 with enough movement that maybe now you're at, like, 10? 8-12, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go 10. And that's not really the journey you have to – that's not the, the part of the journey you worry about, right? So at 7-0, and by the way, they are – what I, I said, they so they beat UMass. So it is, it's October – it's the week of October 21st now. And you're closing out to make your to make your statement. You're closing out with Tulane, Cincinnati, Houston, Tulsa, UCF, and then uh, the championship game. Good, not great. All right, pretty good, I would say, in terms of a resume. All right, I think, may, yeah, okay. And then the journey you worry about is you're at ten at seven and zero. To get to five, it just seems impossible because at this point now you're entering conference play in the deeper power fives, right? So if you've got a one loss, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, right? They're they're going to so they'll be favored. If you have the one to two loss SEC program of the you know past the Alabama side, so a one loss LSU, etc. It's I I don't think it's possible. Well, and their biggest problem is that you know that number ten ranking doesn't matter because it's not the playoff committee. The playoff committee would on on even they'd be nine and zero having beaten also Tulane and Cincy. They'd be heading into November, and the first playoff rankings would probably have them like seventeenth. Um, and so then they let's say they crush Houston, a good Houston, crush a good Tulsa, crush a good UCF, and crush a good Memphis. They're they're like eighth. Like there's just yeah, there's probably not a path probably there. yeah yeah. So, well, we just shot ourselves down on that one. Um, by the way, one other team that sort of counts. I, well, actually, I think definitely counts this year. If we're just specifically talking about the schedule, if BYU is 12-0, they're probably in the playoff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Be, you start the season beating LSU, Utah, Wisconsin, Utah State, Boise State, and Mississippi State. Damn. Um, you know what's so funny is we spent so much time – me and Matt Brown wrote about this a couple of years ago, talking about their 16 schedule. Yeah, you know what, Bill? I'm now, gonna bl- I'm gonna blame the delirium. You're you're absolutely right. The 17 schedule. If you take the name off of it, they have that weird August 26 game against Portland yeah. State, which you know we're we're just it's, it's better there than at the end of the year. Yeah, we're that. gonna be watching that like dope fiends, so I can't complain <laughs> too much. Um, you're right. No, if you st- let's just say this, I don't care who you are, Team X in the Power Five starts the season beating LSU, uh, uh, neutral, uh, pr- you know, not neutral, really a road game. Yeah. Um, you beat our rival Utah, good Utah team, and then you beat Wisconsin. By the way, that Wisconsin game. Shh, hey, guess what? It's in Provo. Yeah, why Why are you doing that, Wisconsin? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> did Delaney tell you guys to do that? Like, that seems, that's a really bad idea. Um, by the way, uh, in terms of core, like, by team listenerships, I'm really loving our Wisconsin guys right now. So, so just say hi. Well, and, and we just, uh, because they listen for their name every single podcast. So that's okay. I'm ding, fine. Ding, 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 ding. I'm fine. No, I love, hey, I love, I'm going to find a way. See, this is it, it. This is the Ouroboros. I think I mispronounced that because I'm delirious. Of of the Wisconsin problem, the snake eats its tail, Bill. 
I want to get up to. I've never done a game in Madison. I'll get. I want to find a way to structure an SB Nation feature about Wisconsin. In order to do that, it would have to survive the pitch process inside our building, metaphorical building, and I think it would be the same problem that Wisconsin has in in public, which is just like, yeah, I mean they're pretty good, but like, you know, what are you gonna say about them that's unique or or declarative? <laughs> right, it's funny. Other, like other than, other than jump around, yeah. If um, I successfully sell a Wisconsin pitch, I think Wisconsin will successfully sell themselves as like a playoff team. Um, anyway. Oh, 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 actually, uh, because we're just going down this train of thought here. Uh, one of the other ideas that we've had for uh, PAPN kind of content is the whole let's pick an underdog to all go and root for. Uh, I will point out that Wisconsin starts the season hosting Utah State and FAU if we wanted to say that they are candidates. Uh, okay. for that experiment and that would at least get you that would not be a wisconsin feature but that would get you to camp randall that's true um i'm gonna take a little umbrage with you here you ready oh unless you utah wisconsin sounds great looks great i've already i've already talked myself out of this okay time. okay as i was talking about the other yeah yeah so lsu utah wisconsin sounds great looks great here's here's another big problem you win those three games that's awesome you are the toast of college football and it is September 17th. Well, right, but they can keep it going for a while. But, like, Utah State, they wouldn't get a ton of credit for that one. But, that, you know, if you if – Well, you BYU is not going to start the season ranked, okay? Right. So you're 4-0. and You've beat Wisconsin, Utah, LSU. You're, you're in the top 10 at that point. You're in the, maybe the, like, top six at that point, I bet. Like, awesome. You can rise quickly if you're beating LSU and Wisconsin. Um, Possibly. Awesome. Great. But – Man, it's it, it, the the run on the back end. It's always the back end, but boys, they get Mississippi State in mid October, and it's and in so, Starkville, which could earn them a little respect if right. they win that game. So at that point, they're what they're seven and zero. Then, if you're talking about November as being the key, they have just whooped bad ECU and San, potentially bad ECU and San Jose State teams. So that's already that'll take some of the luster off. But uh, entering November, they're in the top ten, maybe the top eight. Uh, depending on how other, how many other teams are undefeated, like that's a good. Now at that point is where the luster ends, but it's really about where you you are on November first when that first ranking comes out. I think it's that first. That's when yeah. it usually is, anyway. Maybe it's worth pointing out too that like you're talking about whipping te- like programs like bad ECU, bad San Jose, you know, San Jose, Fresno, especially just two teams that are like trying to rebuild the entire foundation. Right. Uh, when Boise would do its thing. We don't ever seem to remember this or talk about it, but when Boise would do its thing... They would lose ground. They would... But they would win those games by 40 points. Right, and they would lose ground anyway, yeah. Yes. So not only do you have to win, you have to win perfect, immaculate, and historically, for I mean, maybe, maybe the landscape shifted a little bit. Maybe. Maybe an inch closer to accepting G5 as a concept. Maybe. No, it not with the still doesn't matter if you drag a bad San Jose State, bad San Jose State team, and then a, a two loss Big Ten team beats Ohio State by a field goal on the same week. It right. just doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I'm really. I mean, I think I know the answer here, but it is something we haven't seen for sure from the committee. What would happen in this instance? Like, if they, if they, let's say a lot of crazy stuff has happened in BYU starts November like fourth. We'll we'll put them in the playoff. We'll say they're fourth. I don't I don't see that wow. happening. Okay. But let's say they're there. I, I'm curious then what happens if these other teams are playing each other and winning conference titles and they're beating Fresno, UNLV, UMass, and Hawaii. And right. they finish they finish 12-0. and 0. They're the only undefeated team. They probably still fall to like sixth. 
but still. Anyway, uh, no, I don't want to look. I don't want to create an existential crisis. But this segment has really, has really just kind of cut me to my core. If this is the case, Bill, yep. Then I'm going to ask the question that the dumb, boorish anti fan has always asked us: Why do we spend so much time with these programs? Because a we eat the whole cow, and b we're right and they're wrong. It, college. My answer is the same one I've given a few times doing radio things about the about, about my book, the 50 best college football teams of all time. Um, I didn't do the show simply, intro, sorry. And that's just simply that it college football is a massive production. BYU, Utah State, uh, Sacramento State sends hundreds of people to a road game. It takes like 38 different departments and, you know, the, the play on the field is even uh, departmentalized and I have all these coaches. Is it, it is a massive production to be a football program. And you either, I just, I, I respect the hell out of that. I love going to, to small school stuff and just seeing like how much of a, of a thing it is for it to have a football game on a Saturday. And if you don't care, if you only care about 60 programs, fine. But college football is the richest damn sport in the world because of how big it is to everybody. And, you know, I, that's, so that, that's, that's my answer. That's my, that's my platform, you know, stand at the, at the, uh, at the dais or whatever, like just that, that's my campaign uh, address right there. It's, it's too rich to only to pay attention to 60 teams. Bill, we have By the way. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. We, we have breaking news. Oh, I know solid verbal has a breaking news sound, but we don't, we, we don't have anything. Um, Hulu TV is launch. Hulu is launching a live set top service. Okay. All right. Our, our friend uh, podcast over at, uh, at Valley shook, proprietor of and the Valley Shook, the LSU S and B Nation team blog has just added me. Bill, do you know what's available on the Hulu TV? Uh-oh. CBS Sports Network, Bill! Impressive. Oh, daddy's coming home. <laughs> that means cord cutting. You have no more excuses. That's, that's the event horizon, Bill. We thought it would be the Pac-12 network. What with their persnickety super future-proofing, okay? Painting them into a corner with rights fees. No, the Pac-12 is already available on set-top. We thought maybe it would be the mercurial NBC Sports Network. They've actually been pretty good, and also they don't really cover college football. It wasn't the SEC network. It wasn't the Leviathan ESPN. It was that damn CBS Sports Network. And now, Bill, it's available. Yeah. I'm going to have to revisit the whole damn story <laughs> because YouTube TV is a re- is like a thing now, all right, apparently. Mm-hmm. Hulu has a, has a set-top service now. Last year it was Sling and PlayStation View, and I used View. And now I think there's another one too that I'm actually – I think CBS is, is, is joined with YouTube. I know there's another one I can't remember. Point is this, Bill. You don't have to have cable anymore to enjoy every morsel of college football. And also, uh, it looks like Hulu covers Sprout, so you're covered there. Oh, wait. I want to say this, though. Pac-12, LHN, not on Hulu. (laughs) For now. For now. now. SEC Network on. Big Big Ten Network on. This is all breaking news, and I'm just sort of regurgitating. Um... 
Man. Wow, what a sea change. Where else do you want to go? Oh, that actually, damn, that happened. That was uh, released earlier really? this morning. Because, uh, so we really probably should have seen that beforehand. We have no excuses. Anyway, uh, uh, here's, excuse my, here's my transition. Breaking news. Pac-12 has a new expansion candidate. Go. Satis University of uh, east of Tijuana, I believe. Okay. This was mentioned on Twitter. I have zero knowledge of what the hell is going on. Our, our friend Matt Brown uh, on uh, at SB Nation, who you'll be hearing more from very soon uh, on this program. Uh, the NCAA is full of disparate universities from enormous research powerhouse schools to tiny private liberal arts colleges. But with the exception of one school, Simon Fraser University, in British Columbia, they're all in the United States, but that might change soon as a school in Mexico is looking to join the NCAA and compete at the Division II level. The New York Times reports that CETIS, or CETIS, I don't know, C-E-T-Y-S, sounds like a, like a corporation that deals with, you know, I don't know, broadband or something. Satis uh, University, a private school of around 3,000 students in Mexicali, has petitioned to join the NCAA last week. The NCAA made a pilot program to allow divisions to invite members in Canada and Mexico permanently, uh, making it easier for Satis to apply. Um, he also noted something that I think the New York article, the New York Times article had uh, a couple of years ago, Monterey Tech, who actually has a very good football program. By the way, we're going to Mexico to cover Mexican college football, just FYI. Um, their no biggest powerhouse, their biggest powerhouse program, Monterey Tech, tried to get in in, in 2013, I believe, in the Lone Star Conference, which is a killer conference in D2, and was was turned down uh, by by a narrow margin. So they could, you know, <laughs> what, I won't tell you why this has to do with a project that has that will come out and hasn't yet. But um, okay, well, fine. It's my latest promotion and relegation thing. Uh, if you draw it out, the, the map, it gets, the pickings get really small, uh, west of the Mississippi river, uh, or especially west of like Missouri, Louisiana, Arkansas, et cetera, uh, down at the D2 level. So hell, let's add some Mexican schools. Let's, let's even that up. Um, because they, they, they care about, about American football. It's not soccer, but it's, uh, a sport there. And, uh, Monterey tech especially has a pretty dang big stadium. So um, let's do it. Let's let's go all in here. Let's uh, let's open those borders. Damn it! I'm fine with this. I don't really have anything to add. Um, I don't really know what kind of quality of the of the actual football it could could do to the sport other than exposure, which is a good thing. Yeah, uh, I'm fine with this. Make it happen. I have said this, and I'm not joking. <laughs> People. I really don't want to go back to the Oklahoma thing, Bill. But people keep saying about Pac-12 expansion. Oh man, you know, doesn't the Pac-12 want to take you know Oklahoma? Doesn't the Pac-12 want to take you know? Don't they want to move in and grab some big school like Kansas? Nope, nope, nope. I think the next move the Pac-12 makes will be a total curveball. Now, if they want if they want an aggressive like Texas market team, I think they would land Houston, and I think Houston would make it work. Obviously, Houston would much rather play like. TCU, A&M, and, you know, Tech and Baylor and all that stuff every year. But um, I think maybe not necessarily a university in Mexico that has really no, you know, resume. <laughs> but I do think, like, we, we joke about Hawaii, right? We joke about what kind of influence and reputation uh, has been built in the Pacific Rim with basketball in the Pac-12. I think the next Pac-12 move is not simply 
a land grab at a big power, an existing power. Also, if they did take a Mexican program and just like, we're like, yep, they're playing college football with us, I think it would be awesome. Yeah. That would happen. Yeah. So, Ad, here's here's, uh, something that would make me and like, you know, eight other people giddy. Uh, The Pac 12 needs to add Hawaii. They need to add Houston. They need to add Texas Tech. And they need to add Monterey Tech and just call it a day. That's that's all I'm going to say. So one more time. Hawaii. Okay. Houston. Monterey Tech. Uh-huh. And I guess just out of charity, uh, you Texas, know, Texas Tech. Tech. Yeah. Where's Baylor going? Uh, um, SEC. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, moving on. Um, Bill, I have I have nothing really left to offer. We actually forgot. Um, you you jumped right into topic number two today. By the way, uh, topic number topic number one was supposed to be um, Leonard Fournette and Christian uh, McCaffrey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a bunch of really terrible coverage about this, and people are only seeming to care because of all the wrong reasons. Big shock. Um, I yeesh. I might actually legitimately write about this. I want to be. I want to be. Um, I want to give it a ginger touch here. Um, I I don't understand why some people I don't understand why the media is pushing this like my colleagues and and people are pushing this the way they're pushing this this is a non-story I was shocked to see it come back into the conversation after the draft the idea the concept that did anyone in 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 the industry of football college pro you know sponsorship side coaching agent whatever did anyone associate it with this seriously think because. Christian McCaffrey didn't play in the Sun Bowl. That that was going to hurt his his stock as a professional. Did anyone think that? That was you know nameless anonymous scouts said that they were taking they were they were looking uh, very suspiciously at Fournette because he decided and Andrew Brill Peppers uh, because he sat out uh, a bowl game. What, what was funny when it circled back around, it wasn't it, it wasn't about the players as well. Well, if it didn't cost the players, that must mean everybody's going to do it and bowls are now destroyed. But I mean, maybe sure. Like maybe more will do it next year, next year. But the part that really kind of blew my mind here is that like Fredette was hurt. And I mean, maybe he could have quote unquote could have played, but he missed like half the damn season with injury. And then he missed another game with injury, and it's the end of Bulls. Christian McCaffrey was hurt. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe it, maybe like Ty went to, the the tie went to sitting out. I'm not sure if I can play or not. Oh, let's not risk anything. Let's not play. I'm sure that probably went into Pepper's decision too. He was limping around yeah. on the field. There were there were witnesses that he was limping around on the field. Maybe he could have played and decided at the last second, let's not risk anything and, and sit out. Fine, but if you're if if you're a, that's not the same thing as somebody who's 100 percent healthy going. You know what? I'd rather not get hurt my last game. Uh, and, and I mean, a the system's already you know kind of stacked against the the student athletes as is. And if you want to do that so you don't get Jake butted all, all the way and lose a ton of money because you tore your ACL in the ball game, fine. Uh, I mean, I, I, I there would be pushback for that, but I'd understand. But that's that wasn't this. They were hurt. At least a little bit, and uh, I, yeah, we. Yeah. Anyway, I don't get it. I really don't. I I just I thought it was a weird kind of an old school type of complaint to have during bowl season. I mean, I don't know how much attention people really want drawn to this. Um, I know Sports Illustrated had the piece. I know that it's centered around comments by Brian Kelly. Um, I think it's fascinating to me that Brian Kelly is still 
putting stuff like this out here after he dogged out his own quarterback, who, you know, in the draft. It blows my mind because other major head coaches, they they kind of quietly confide in people now, like, hey, we have to be recruiting his year round. We have to be super delicate with our messaging, and recruits and their families are paying attention not only to how kids are treated on the roster, but how alumni are treated, how how you're treated when you leave the program to go into the draft to try and make your own money. Um, you know the fact that someone with 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 such a ten year for this as Brian Kelly continues to some, somehow drive this conversation. I just I don't understand. Uh, I mean, that's I, I I got nothing more to say. Like I think anybody who's listening to our podcast, uh, you know, probably right. understands exactly where we're coming from. So we're preaching to the choir. But well, maybe I mean, I mean, maybe hopefully I, I guess and this really isn't an issue whether or not you think players should be paid or or any of that kind of stuff. It's that I know. Okay, how about this? Let's let's take it away from that conversation, Bill, because I do think we have people who listen to us who kind of grumble that we we get on the advocacy part too much. But let me just put it in these terms: we know based on the analytics, as SB Nation is one of the like whatever we are nth biggest sports site in America. We're definitely in the top ten, right? Yes, millions and millions and millions of people accessing our content. We know for a fact that you guys don't care about some of these bowls. The lion's share. I don't know if you've noticed, but. Um, uh, he's now at the ringer, but our former colleague, uh, Roger Sherman, you know, we, as a joke, we sent Roger where the cure bowl in Orlando and we sent him to the, um, the Bahamas bowl, the year, the crazy Western Kentucky finish was, was it central Michigan? Yeah. Bill, have you covered a bowl for us? I have not. I somehow have not. It's amazing. I just kind of lay low and don't speak up and then I don't have to go anywhere. Right, and, exa- and just the, the way you phrase that, it's because you have absolutely no interest around the holidays in, in covering one of these completely. Now, are they fun to watch? Yeah, like we've ex- we've explored well, that right. paradox before. I, I don't cover them. I don't cover them because I write a preview for every and a review for every single damn one of them, and I have to be at home to do that. Sure, and also, what would okay? So, so because I'm the reporter guy or whatever, what is it? What in the world would we gain by me going to any of these games at no. all? We and we base this logic off of off of y'all's traffic. People are not, and I'm not. By the way, I'm not saying I'm not talking about. Oh, it's the the Birmingham Bowl, the Camellia Bowl, all these completely tertiary BS games. I'm also talking about like the Music City Bowl. The Everything Bowl. but like the top five is what yeah, it, it, yeah. And, and I mean, at what point if you're LSU? And you're fundamentally better than Louisville at that point in time. Are you even worried about, like, Leonard not playing in an exhibition game? Like, it still doesn't. Cap 1's a pretty big bull, but it still doesn't make any sense. The argument still doesn't hold water. If you do this, you look like one of two things. A network shill who's worried about ratings and worried about the product that you've created for no reason other than to sell ads where you have free labor uh, beating each other up one last time before they go and attempt to make money on their own. Or you're a coach um, who I think, I mean, I know it's well over 60, 70% of coaches at the Power 5 level have some sort of stipulation on bonus structures based either on directly on bowl wins, on reaching a bowl, or on a bowl win counting towards a win total bonus structure in their deal. In fact, if I go to the Sports Illustrated article, Bill, and I'm just thinking out loud here, and I pull the if I pull the contracts, I don't think yeah. you can get Kelly's because of the because it's a private university. 
But if I pull everyone's contract, Bill, how many that how many of those coaches do you think that were quoted in the story have some sort of incentive structure based on a bull win? <laughs> well, I mean, like say almost. I think almost all of them do now. So yeah. I'm going to say 100. percent It's not a good look, guys. It's not a good look for anybody. All right, we're going to finish up with a couple of things. I know you basically uh, marked out an hour to do this. Uh, yeah, about to go to Target. About to <laughs> let's see what I'm going to do. Got to clean the kitchen sink. Is there a Bed Bath & Beyond trip in there? Um, I don't know, but I really do feel like I'm a legitimate threat in the streets driving. I mean, I'm not like that tired, but my reaction time is slowed. Everything looks three. like Mario Kart. So, so three really, really quick items, and then we can wrap up. Number one, Houston fans take note. Instead of complaining that I uh, talked about Tom Herman too much on Twitter, or instead of complaining, I guess, about my title, if you the title of the piece, if you if you go to... The Houston like preview. Headline, you mean? Read the comments. Yeah, the actual headline apparently was bad, and a Houston okay. fan let me know. What was that? Um, uh, Major Applewhite's facing pressure, but he probably likes it that way. Um, just a, it's a whatever title. But anyway. Hey, guess uh, what? News, news flash, if you're complaining. I have, a, I have an Applewhite piece I didn't get to file before I went out on paternity leave, and I'm going to have a feature running on them this summer. I'm going to say the same thing. Well, um, you know, they don't like me. But anyway, uh, Houston fans, take note. Uh, just go to the Temple preview and read the one comment that is currently in the Temple uh, comments section where it just says, we're the real deal now. I was a freshman when Al Golden's team won a single game. I was one of 300 people in the stands when we finally saw Bowling Green go down on homecoming. And after watching some terrible performances before that, there was some oddly ironic sense of optimism in the stands. We had no idea it could ever get this good. Temple's fan base exploded since then. We're setting records in every conceivable category. And despite prote- the protests, I believe an on-campus stadium is coming. There is no better place to be right now than Temple if you want to be part of building something legendary. I'm not sure how much of that I agree with, but I love you. My yeah, car is okay. orange. Yeah, I don't think you're going to stay to you anytime soon, but I like your attitude. That's right. That's what that's what I want from uh, commenters uh, in these pieces is just tell me how much you enjoy being a fan of your school. The end. Uh, all right. So then the other two things real quick to address a couple comments from last uh, podcasts, SB Nation post that, that Godfrey admitted to not listening to um, just a couple of items that we can say we addressed. Them. Number one. With college football inevitably at some point going to realign conferences, at least to some degree, how likely is it or do you see the ETSU program making the jump to FBS 1A, uh, the Sun Belt Conference, basically? East Tennessee State, baby. Johnson City yeah. is much bigger than cities like Statesboro and Boone. It would make them fiscally attractive. Uh, add in the fact that it would create a closer geographical rival for App State and isn't too far off from schools like Georgia State and new member Coastal Carolina. Uh, this would also make a series with in-state FBS program MTSU more likely. This is all on top of the fact that ETSU is set to open a brand new stadium this fall to go along with the new baseball stadium that is practically brand new. I like, I live, I assume he said I live in Johnson City. Uh, in the Johnson City area and have followed the resurrection of ETSU program very closely. The mention of the Bucks in the conversation of realignment a couple weeks ago has sparked my interest on the topic and would love to see what y'all have to say on the topic. Go. Um, yeah. Um, could, could they make the Sun Belt? Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Eastern Carolina, uh, yeah, sorry, Eastern Kentucky's in front of them right now. I'm curious too, like I mean, if 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 like before they get around to it, if EKU does kind of drop off a little bit, and then somebody like an East Tennessee, like how how solid is EKU at the top of that list? We know they were like the runner up for uh, behind were, Coastal I mean, Carolina. Yeah, they were. It was it was razor thin on the division. Um, 
Um, I, yeah, I'm still going to put my, my money on the Colonels of, uh, of Eastern Kentucky as far as the next team in. ETSU strikes me sort of as a, almost, I, I know that they had a program went away, da, da, da. they're not a from scratch deal like Charlotte, but they kind of have a CUSA thing going. I mean, how, how long how long the CUSA has a thing going is going to be right. interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think J-pop champions like. Um, think, well, honestly, Bill, I think that's the question we need to answer, not just for ETSU, but for a lot of programs. Is it isn't necessarily about like, hey, are we attractive to the Sun Belt, or are we attractive to the to the CUSA, or are they? I, I just let, let's figure out what the next five years, or maybe even two years, is going to look like first. And then the last comment we'll end on, I'm going to also contribute because I consider myself a Nashville expert having spent a grand total of like six days there over the last three years. Um, Game day in SEC country, kind of. Going to Nashville this fall for K-State versus Vanderbilt. I had no idea K-State was playing Vanderbilt? Uh, That's what he says. Um, I do this for a living. uh, Let's, let's, really, when? I, okay, this was completely off my mind. Um, Hold on. Let's, I'm, I'm looking up fbschedules.com as we speak here. I already had it up, but I'm just telling you, that doesn't seem right. What's even better is this guy obviously Oops. knows it's right. He's he knows it's right, and we're, and we're boldly way, right. September 16th. Yeah, September right. 16th. I like, okay. that we, I like that we both said he was wrong, even though he obviously knew it, believed it enough to send us an email. And he's planning a trip around it. Um, I'm an idiot. Me uh, and you. Um, uh, so he wants Nashville. Okay. I'm excited for the trip, even though I know there's probably little to no fanfare surrounding a Vanderbilt home game. I oh, like not some true. Insight. I like some insight into Vanderbilt's story. The Doors have been a national ass afterthought, <laughs> national ass, national afterthought as long as I've been alive, turning 30 this summer. They perpetually reside in the SEC East cellar. I skimmed through the records going back to the 70s, 60s, and 50s. Not a lot there. How has yeah. a school that is at the antithesis of its SEC counterparts managed to stay in college football's premier conference? Money is the obvious answer. Just wanted to know if there's anything more to it. I'll stop there for a second. Uh, yeah, well, you they, have a 30 they, they second answer. Out, so. Yeah, I mean, that's... The, and and Vandy didn't throw itself out like Tulane did and Georgia Tech did, so therefore they're in. Yeah. Um, By the way, also in like the early aughts when you're when you're just a pure football machine of a conference, it doesn't really hurt one to have a doormat homecoming conference game and two to have a school that has a really good academic <laughs> reputation. Right. <laughs> and uh, how many SEC alums live in Nashville? As you've mentioned many times. God, it just yeah. never stops. So um, there you go. I don't know. Uh, my, new prop, my new property taxes say a lot. <laughs> and then the last part, uh, I was hoping Godfrey can make some recommendations. And yes. so uh, this is going to be with just quick, uh, single, uh, no hesitation responses. And I'm going to give mine too because, like I said, I'm a Nashville expert, having spent almost a week there. Eat. Where to eat? Uh, my favorite restaurant in Nashville is called City House. Um, yes. Bill has been there with me twice. Um, yes. My, uh, I know everyone wants to do the hot chicken thing, and that's totally fine. Um, the place that is the most accessible, but also it's still very, very crowded, is called Hattie B's. They have multiple locations. By the time you're here, they will have a third one in the city. There's one that I can walk to from my home. It's fine. Um, the yeah. original, like OG, is um, it's called Prince's. It's kind of in the northeast side of the city in this like rundown shopping center, but it is the legit experience. Um, if you want to experience whatever the hell we consider to be southern cuisine, I would recommend this restaurant called Husk. Um, but again, when I give recommendations on Nashville, I always try and just build the person first and then accommodate them because if you're <laughs> if you're 22 and showing up in town with like a free ticket that you got gotcha. from. 
But like a free ticket you got from your friend and like eight of you are staying in a motel room together and you're just going to kind of come and get trashed and maybe hook up with a, a girl or a guy. I'm going to give you a vastly different recommendation than if you're grumpy 36-year-old me, you don't like to touch or talk to people, but you want to experience something of a, you know, a quiet, more satisfying like meal or have a cocktail somewhere. So like um, tell uh, tell Bill, just tell this person to at me when the time comes or whatever. Yeah. I, I usually answer this question once a year for a visiting fan base that doesn't – it's usually an SEC fan base that just doesn't come a lot, like like a West team that – like an Auburn or an Alabama. I think they have Alabama this year too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I'll give a bunch of recommendations. Obviously, the city's exploding. It is akin to Austin in that way that every couple of years it's, a, it's almost completely different when you visit. Um, but, no, there's a ton of stuff to do. Game day atmosphere is it's, – it's there. It's just it, – it's – I mean, is it Bama? No. Is it is it LSU? No. But it's it's there, and they do care. And also, by the way, they might thump your skull a little bit. You know, I'm not saying I'm not going to try and pick a winner for week three. But Van- you, you know how I feel about this. We we differ on this opinion, but yes. Um, Vanderbilt's not bad. I mean, I, I think they're they're quietly getting better. There, I, I don't know if they find this. I mean, I don't want to get into all this. Like, are they going to be the Stanford the SEC? I don't know. Probably not. But in fact, almost certainly not. But um, people do care enough. Um, they definitely, I mean, the stadium situation is unfortunate. It's still, I will say that it's unfortunate, but it's also completely accommodating, easy to get in and out of, yeah. reasonably priced concessions, like whatever, and then you spill right out onto West End Avenue. You can get in an Uber that costs you $3, and you're at any one of, like, six or seven different bar districts. And so, like, it's, in terms of the experience, what do you care? You're a K State fan. You're gonna have a great time, and Vandy yeah, fans really hard. Are, are very hospitable. It's really hard not to have a great time. Um, I should have gone first because my answers were going to be that uh, Huskin City House both absolutely, positively live up to their reputation. Uh, they are both tremendous, and um, then the next, uh, and also uh, Mas Tacos Por Favor. If you are into tacos, and if you're in, living in Manhattan, t- Kansas, I don't know if you can get a good taco there or not. So you know, there you go. Um, I really it, like Manhattan, it, by the way. I, I yeah, mean, people always crap on that town, but I thought it was pretty. I, 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 did I, I can't name a taco place though. I don't know if they have good tacos. Ah, I don't know. I spent most of my time there in a Starbucks working on another story before an Auburn game, but it was a, it was a good time. Um, they're nice where, people. Next question: Where to drink in Nashville? Uh, if you want to go tonking, go downtown. Uh, everybody, you know, if, they, if you want to say you went to Honky Tonk or go tonking as it, as it is, you go to Broadway, which is very much the bourbon street of Nashville. Yeah. Um, uh, as a snob and, again, as someone who's 36 and not 22, um, avoid the meat markets and the three-story bars. You know, if you just want to get the authentic experience of a tonk, you go to a place called Robert's Western World. It sits a little higher up on Broadway. Um, and then good, good, uh, good fried bologna sandwiches, by the way. I'd say if you're just a couple years out of college and you're just sort of looking for like that culture of meeting other single people that are of your age, uh, go to Midtown. There's an entire string of bars there that is essentially yeah. sort of the postgraduate meat market of the of of Nashville. So there's a bar called Winners, a bar called Losers, a bar called Red Door, and then there's a place called the Broadway Brewhouse Midtown. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed I, Robert's Western World. I would also uh, a few like a block down on the other side of Main Street. Um, uh, the merchant has very uh, affordable bourbons and whiskey. Merchants. Yep, merchants. Oh, merchants. Um, and I, always you, say, I always say the merchant. Damn it. And yeah, if you're in the Indie Rock tip then uh, and, and you're coming for a college football game, that's awesome. Good for you. Um, we, we're, we're kindred spirits, I guess. Go to um, the uh, Five Points in East Nashville. Um, and then there's uh, a series of bars over there. It's going to lean more towards that 
that type of culture. Um, but again, all this stuff's super accessible. Uh, if you just want to walk around from kind of like a, a, a great collection of bars and restaurants, um, go over to Germantown. Um, but yeah, just ask somebody. It's it's a it's a very small city to, tra- to traverse. It's accessible. Just sort of depends on what you want to do. Um, I have no idea if I will be home. I doubt that that's a that's the <laughs> national game of the week I will be covering. Um, he by the time. way he he also asked about music, but that kind of goes with drink, so I'll skip that one. He also said he'd buy you a beer if you want to discuss Speed Smash or something stupid. So if you are in town, sure. sure. Purple Rain yeah, I, W or Purple Rain JWB uh, is the. I live. Um, I think I live one point one point nine miles from the stadium. I wouldn't walk there necessarily, but it's like it's like a f- five six minute Uber. Um, and then uh, yeah, I, I really like K State fans. I don't know if I'm supposed to or not or whatever culturally, but I went up there once. Um, it was fine. They were really nice people. It was a really yeah, nice day in Manhattan. Um, so yeah, I had a good time. There you go. I'm going to go take a nap and then I got to go to Target or maybe I might nap in a Target parking lot. I was about to say, that's kind of the perfect, you are out, you can get away with it. You might want to set an alarm. Um, on your that's phone, true. Just also, um, also for just as a special treat to listeners, I had to go pick up my wife's Percocet, um, because she had a natural birth, which involves a lot of pain. Um, but of course I'm sleepless in allergy season. I'm a very large human being. If you haven't ever met me, um, I'm six foot five. I have a beard right now that looks a little bit like I've been running a still in 1845. Um, and I had to go pick up Percocets in a woman's name from a pharmacy in Tennessee <laughs> yesterday. That went so well. It really went well. They, they sure didn't bring over two different managers to think that I was running some sort of dope ring. Um, it was great. Uh, so, Bill, yeah, I only have two rules on this podcast, and that's um, stay away from my Percocets. And do you have any Percocets? And if you've uh, ever seen the movie Goon, you should watch it on Netflix. Um, we will. I, I will be back. I, I'm still figuring out exactly what the schedule is going to be in the next couple of weeks. Um, I might come have. back one day. Uh, Show up. I'll give you the Zencaster link. You can either show up or not show up. Had multiple children now. There's really no turning back. There's nothing I can do about it. We'll see if I survive. Okay, I really can't even be funny about it right now. But uh, <laughs> if I get out of the if I get out of the quagmire, you know, it's kind of into the second act of apocalypse now, right? So so everything's starting to distort to a degree. But hey, I got to come and talk delirium with you guys yeah. for like 60 minutes. I appreciate that. I miss everybody. At me because the one functional thing I can do is get on Twitter, read something Twitter-sized, respond in a Twitter-sized manner, and then go about my my paternity leave business. So I'm around on Twitter. I will not be writing anything for the next, like, two weeks. And delirious sleep-deprived grumpiness works well on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I lit a couple people up yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you did. Sorry. My bad. It wasn't me, so I don't care. All right, well, we will we will see with with a with some sort of partner with some sort of inferior co-host. I will Who's be going back on. So, so you tease Matt Brown. You've already had you've already had. Well, Richard. I'm still finalized. I'm not going to say anything because I'm still. We had Richard. Um, I got. I, I'm still figuring it out. Uh, okay. There will be co-hosts. You won't have to listen to me talk for a full hour by myself. Okay. Uh, there will be co-hosts, but I'm still trying to figure out who and when. Um, and, and I got some ideas, so we'll see what happens. You know that you're not ever allowed to leave the podcast because then nobody would edit it. 
Right. So <laughs> that's how this works. You're chained yeah. to the radiator. Don't go yeah. anywhere. All right, Bill. We'll see go, do, we'll see go do this again next week. I'll see. I'll see uh, y'all. Uh, thank you for listening, and I'll see you down the road. Uh, please pray for me in this time of need. Enjoy. Enjoy Target.